Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And hi, everybody. And again, it is great to have you here on another episode. If you don't like that with Grant Nepier, today is a sad one for me. And I'll share some of my thoughts and memories of a man that we lost yesterday due to cancer. But I want to tell you that we are brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works has a fix for you for your plumbing needs and repairs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N E W. WRXplumbing.com. That's New Works Plumbing for all of your plumbing needs and repairs. Tony Brown, NBA referee, lost his battle with pancreatic cancer yesterday. I got to know Tony pretty well. He was an amazing person. I'm not even going to really talk about him as a referee. I mean, he had, in 2020, elevated his career where he worked in the NBA Finals. So that tells you all you need to know about Tony as an official. And I want to just share some thoughts about officiating and Tony. Listen, I'm a sports fan just like you, and I get upset at officials just like you. And when there's an egregious call, I get on the officials just like you. But I always remember that they're not robots. They don't have instant replay like we have when they make a call they're making it in real time and over the years i've become very friendly with a lot of officials in various sports both uh not only both but all sports the national football league uh, i've gotten to be good friends with mike Pereira in the national hockey league uh i was uh very tight with paul Dvorsky, a longtime nhl official that had worked the stanley cup finals In the NBA, over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of the officials, uh, text with many of the officials, uh, check in on them and their families. And then uh, years ago, uh, I met a guy that has turned into one of my closest friends, Brian Knight, and I was so happy for him that he was able to uh, work and currently is working the NLCS and was behind the plate in game one. And the one thing I've learned over the years in – getting to know so many officials in so many different sports is that when they make a bad call, it eats at them. You know, it's not like they leave the venue that they had just officiated a game in and go out and get drunk and eat and hang out to four in the morning. Uh, It is agonizing for them. 
all right, and they don't sleep. Uh, it bothers them, especially if their call cost a team a game. They take their profession unbelievably seriously. And, you know, I had Mike Pereira on this podcast a couple of months ago, and we were talking about how there are so many people that don't want to become officials anymore at the youth level because of the abuse that they take from the stands. And we're talking about, you know, youth games, youth sports. We're talking about middle school. We're talking about high school. And Mike said the real problem is that you can't get officials to come up through the officiating tree, so to speak, because they're done. They're tired of the abuse. And when you make it to the big stage and you are a professional referee, obviously, you know, you've made it that far because you're really good at what you do. And by that point in your career, you understand that you're going to hear it from the fans and social media is going to be all over you. And we are now in an era where instant replay does bail out. And I'll use the term bail out because the officials actually are fine when a mistake is overturned by a replay because the last thing officials want to do, they do not want to cost teams games. Now, I know we can go back to 2002 and talk about the NBA Western Conference Finals that Dick Bavetta. Bob Delaney and Ted Bernhardt worked to this day is regarded as the worst officiated game in NBA history. And that was a different era. And I don't know what went on and I don't know how they could have been so bad for 48 minutes in that game, but they were. And what bothered me back then is that, and I don't know about Ted, but Bob Delaney and Dick Pavetta ended up working in the finals that year. And I don't understand how, any official that could have been as bad as those three were in game six could have been quote unquote rewarded and getting an NBA finals assignment. It doesn't work like that anymore. All right. You earn your way to the ultimate level, which is working championship series, NBA finals, Stanley cup finals. But I want to get back to Tony Brown. I met Tony and had known Tony casually. And we, you know, you got to remember as an announcer, you're on the court 20 minutes before the game, the teams come out for the warm-ups. Then the officials come out, and very often they'll come up to you and you'll start chatting, or you can walk up to them and they'll ask you questions, or you can ask them questions. And you know, you see them a couple of times a year, and you become friendly with them. Sometimes when you're out on the road, you'll run into them after the game at a restaurant or what have you, and you'll sit there and you'll socialize with them. Sometimes you'll have a beer, or whatever the case may be. But you learn about their families. You learn about their backgrounds. You learn about how many years they had to put in before they made it to the uh, NBA level. And with Tony Brown, uh, I just became friendly with him. And years ago, we exchanged phone numbers. And I just have the utmost respect. I was so happy for him on 2020, I had sent him a text message. Hey, buddy, just wanted to say congrats on the final selection. Much deserved. I'm very happy for you. Hope you're well and family is healthy. That was October 2nd of 2020. The uh, finals obviously were played in the fall due to the pandemic. And he said, hey, Grant, thank you and hope you were doing well. When all this is back to normal, we will definitely have dinner. And I said, I would love to do that. That's October 2nd of 2020, right? Here's a man that's on top of the world. Just reached the pinnacle of his profession being selected to officiate in the NBA Finals. Fast forward to Sunday, May 9th, 2021, which, by the way, was three weeks before my life would be turned upside down, but not turned upside down like Tony's life. 
Tony, this is Grant. I just heard about your situation. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and we'll be praying for you every day. Keep the faith, buddy. Love you, man. Hey, Grant, thank you so much. Thank you for the prayers. I'm working hard to stay strong and fight. means a lot to hear from you. Love you, brother. And I sent messages to Tony every few weeks, just checking in. Hey, man, thinking about you, praying for you. And he would always get back to me. And I was so happy to receive a text message because I thought that Tony had kind of beat the odds because pancreatic cancer, as we all know, pretty much is a death sentence. And so we fast forward to November 25th, 2021. Thinking about you, Tony, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And he got back to me on Monday, four days later, and I was so happy. Happy Thanksgiving. How are you? Just wanted to let you know that I am going to do a replay assignment tomorrow and wanted to thank you for your prayers. And I was like, wow. And then I sent him a message uh, a couple of weeks later in December. Hey, Grant, I'm keeping it rolling, working tonight in replay and could not be more excited about it. God is keeping me in his plan and I am doing well, very blessed, and thank you for the prayers. So think about this. This is a man that was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, went through chemotherapy, had appeared to be doing much better, wanted to work. And although he couldn't get back on the floor, he wanted to work. And so he was in Secaucus, New Jersey, fighting pancreatic cancer and was in the NBA replay center. Think about that for a minute. This is a man that didn't have to work. This is a man, though, that absolutely loved his profession. Loved his profession. And kept on texting back and forth. And the reason why I'm talking about this is I learned when you're at rock bottom, and my rock bottom was a lot different than his rock bottom. You know, I lost my career. I didn't lose my life. And Monday, June 27th, you know, I'd sent him a message, and he got back to me. Thanks, Grant, for checking on me. I am doing good. I'm going to do a few days at Summer League. I'm looking forward to that. How are you? That's June. And I was so happy to get that message. And then in August, again, he says, hey, Grant, I'm working hard to keep it rolling. Truly blessed and thankful. How are you? He's always asking me how I'm doing. Here's a man fighting pancreatic cancer, but in every message, he's always asking me how I'm doing. And... I sent a message to Tony on Friday, September 9th. Said, Tony, just saying, I hope you and the family are well, buddy. I didn't hear back from him. Always heard back from Tony, maybe not that day. And I sent him another message just the other day. Hope you're well, Tony. I'm thinking of you as this new season begins. And I didn't hear back from him. And I reached out to another official. And I said, hey, uh, I've sent Tony a few texts. I haven't heard from him. I'm really worried. And I knew that he was going to be at the end when I got the message from the official. Unfortunately, Grant, Tony took a pretty bad turn about three weeks ago. And I won't read the rest of it. But Tony passed yesterday, and I just want to tell you that we lost a great man, and I know there's so many of us, 
are dealing with loved ones, family members, friends that are currently battling cancer, have lost their battle with cancer. And the one thing I learned, and I had cancer myself, I had a malignant tumor in my thigh that had to be removed. I went through radiation. I've had melanoma. So I've had scares. And the thing that really means more than anything is when you get a message from people and they say they're praying for you and they're rooting for you and they're they're thinking about you. It means the world. I shared the story about Paul Westfall. Paul called me. He's one of the first people to call me after I had lost my career. And he just wanted to say, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. And we talked for a couple of moments and it was just a, a very uplifting conversation for me. And then in July, no text message, he picked up the phone and called me. Hey, Grant, I'm just checking on you, worried about you, thinking about you, praying for you, and we talked. And then I remember when I saw that tweet from Mike Lupica a couple of weeks later, Mike and Paul were extremely tight. Mike, the renowned sports writer for the New York Daily News, among other things, put out on social media that he was speaking on behalf of Paul, who had been diagnosed with brain cancer. And I called Paul the next day, and I just said, Paul, I want to let you know that you have people all over the country that have heard the news, and they're praying for you. And it was an unbelievably somber, sad conversation, maybe the most somber, sad conversation I've ever had with another person in my life. And he stopped me. He goes, no, Grant, I'm praying for you. What happened to you is so wrong, and I pray for you every day. And I'm thinking to myself, no, Paul. And I told him, I go, Paul, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I only lost my jobs. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm going to be fine, Paul. I'm worried about you. And, but, but to think about that he received a death sentence. He received a death sentence, and he's thinking about other people. And all of the messages that I shared back and forth with Tony, it was always, how are you? How are you? How are you doing, Grant? How are you? You know, every, every single time. You know, it didn't matter if he was going through chemo or what. But always then thank me for reaching out. And I've always tried to do that. And I, the reason why I'm talking about this is I think that we all need to understand that when people are in despair, when they're going through a tough time, one simple message, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, I'm rooting for you, is unbelievably uplifting. And I wanted to talk about this on my podcast today because I said at the beginning, I'm like you. I get upset at the officials. But you know what? We have to understand that our officials are human beings. And there are too many fans to treat our officials like dirt, like they don't exist, like they don't care when they make bad calls. And I always hear fans go, gee, you know, there should be repercussions. And, you know, when they make a bad call, there should be punishments and there should be this and there should be that. Well, there are. There are. NBA referees get reprimanded and they get uh, evaluated and, in my opinion, over-evaluated. Okay? Every single call they make is evaluated. Every single call they don't make is evaluated. Every single whistle is evaluated and scrutinized. And they spend a lot of time, a lot of time, when they're not on the court, on their laptops, and they're going over all of their calls. All right? 
And I know people want to complain. The other night after the Kings lost to the Blazers, I'm looking on social media and I'm looking at all the people bashing the referees. You know what? At some point when you're the Sacramento Kings and you haven't made the playoffs in 16 years and you haven't, you haven't been in the playoffs or you haven't done anything, all right? You got to stop blaming the officials, okay? There are some games that the officials are going to cost the, you're going to cost you. We get that. I get that. I acknowledge that. It happens, okay? Guess what? De'Aaron Fox has missed free throws, right? At the end of games, the Kings lost. All right? He's not perfect either. LeBron James has missed free throws at the end of games. He's not perfect either. Perfection does not exist in this life, with the rare exception in Major League Baseball when a pitcher can go 27 up and 27 down. That's perfection. But in life, there are no perfect people. There are no perfect officials. The best officials in their respective sports make mistakes every single time they work, okay? Just like players make mistakes. Just like players drop balls, throw interceptions, miss layups, miss free throws, strike out, drop pop-ups, let a ball go through their legs, okay? There is no perfection in the world, and yet we as fans expect and demand perfection from our sports officials. Why is that? Why do you expect and demand perfection when there's no perfection in any other walk of life? But you expect your officials to be perfect. They're not perfect. And they're never going to be perfect. And they're people. All right? And they go home and they have families and their dads and their moms. And, you know, they're, they're just like you and me except for every time they make a call, they got half the people pissed at them and they got people that want to do nasty things to them and wish harm on them. And we need to like calm down. And I know I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here because I do get upset at officials too, but I don't get personal. And I understand that they're not making a bad call on purpose. And I also, because of all the officials I know, I get the fact and I fully understand that when they do make a bad call it stays with them they don't wake up the next day and forget about it all right it bothers the hell out of them and here's something else that i love after getting to know officials and being involved in pro sports for as long as i have do you know that many officials when they make a bad call particularly in basketball and they make it in the first half they'll come out of the locker room after watching in the locker room the call they made and they'll walk up to the player and they'll go, hey, man, I want to let you know I got that call. My bad. I apologize. And, you know, that means the world to a player. They go, hey, no problem. Or they'll go, hey, thanks, man. I appreciate that. How often does it happen that a player goes up to an umpire and says that? Or a referee? I'm going to share with this. More times than you know. My friend who's a baseball umpire tells me very often the next day, when they're out, you know, a home plate umpire then works third base. And they'll have a player come up to them. And they'll go, hey, man, I'm my bad. You know, I, I, I apologize for getting on your ass yesterday. I, uh, you made the correct call. And the umpire will go, hey, no problem, man. I get it. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. That does happen in sports. All right? So you have players apologizing to officials. And you have officials, almost all of them, that will walk up to a player and go, hey, my bad. I got that wrong. I apologize, man. Sorry. Got it wrong. That's sports, right? We're not perfect. Tony Brown, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't a perfect referee. But I'll tell you what he was. He was a great 
great husband, a great dad to his three children. He was a great man, and he was beloved by everyone in the NBA and his colleagues. I never met anyone that did not like Tony Brown, always smiling, always would come up and ask you, how are you, how you doing? Would always say, hey, uh, I'm going to be in this city. I just looked at my schedule in a couple weeks. Let's get together. You know, whatever. That was Tony Brown. Gone way too early at age 55. But in closing, you know, again, when you yell at the official, go ahead, yell at them. They understand that. That's part of their job. Just don't forget their people. And they have families. And they have emotions. And they have a tough job. And they're not perfect. Just like you're not perfect. The only perfect people that exist are on social media. I'm still waiting to meet some of those because I would love to take them out to dinner and find out what makes them perfect. I haven't met a perfect person yet. I've seen many on social media, though. But I would love to be able to break bread with them and know what the secret is to being perfect. So, Tony Brown, rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. You are an example to so many others that are fighting their cancers and their diseases and their other ailments don't give up don't stop living your life you went to work you did everything you could to beat this and you did a hell of a fight my friend rest in peace tony brown now to the uh, uncomfortable transition to crowd ultra just go to crowdultra.com and maybe i'll answer your question on next week's podcast David asked, if you had a time machine, what game would you go back to see live? That's a fabulous question. Probably the game that is referred to as the greatest game ever played, Alan Amici's one-yard run in sudden death overtime to beat the Giants back in 1958. My dad was at that game, and he has always talked to me about what it was like being at the stadium that day even though the team that I love lost. But I would probably go back and watch that. Again, it's considered the greatest game ever played. Great question. Great question. Steven says, is it more likely the Warriors repeat or another another team wins the title? Well, obviously, you would go with 29 other teams, would you not, Steven? So, I mean, it's more likely they don't win, but I still think that if they're healthy, they are the team to beat. Spencer asks, What type of contract do you expect Aaron Judge to sign? It will be a a large contract. It will be for many years. And if it's not with the Yankees, um, wherever it will be, uh, it will be the talk of the sports world. All right? I wouldn't do it. I've been on record. I wouldn't do it. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't do it. As much as I love Aaron Judge and he exemplifies everything about being a Yankee, I would take the money and go out and I would build it around pitching. That's what I would do. Kevin asks, is Dave Roberts... The Dodgers' problem. Nope, he's not the problem. All right? There is a problem, but in my opinion, it's not Dave Roberts. Did Dave Roberts have a problem winning 111 games this year? Was he the problem with that? All right. Let's get to Ernie. Were Brady's comments comparing the NFL to the military disrespectful? I didn't hear that comments, Ernie, but I would say that everyone's too damn sensitive about everything now in society. So... Do I think that Tom Brady would make comments that were disrespectful to the military? No, I don't. Again, I did not hear the comments, but if there are those that are offended, without even knowing what he said, I would say, gee, that doesn't shock me. People get offended about everything in this day and age. David wants to know, are you surprised 
that Charles Barkley signed a new contract with TNT. No, I'm not. He makes that show. Without Charles Barkley, that show suffers. Sam wants to know, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson as your quarterback at this point? Easily for me. Easy, Kyler Murray, because of his youth. Alex wants to know, have I had issues watching Thursday Night Football on Amazon? You know what, Alex? I've watched very little of Thursday Night Football because the games have been so dreadful for the most part. So I haven't really watched full games. I do think Michaels and Herbstreet do a nice job, though. I think they do a very nice job together. I think they have good chemistry. Ben wants to know, what NBA coaches is this a make-or-break season for? I think Doc Rivers is on that list for sure. And I, I think there are obviously some others as well. But I th- I really believe that. I, I think Doc, he, he's got to get at least to the Eastern Conference Finals this year with that team in Philadelphia losing last night, have started off 0-2. Ryan wants to know, did Paulo Bancaro have one of the better debut performances of all time? No, he did not. Zach wants to know, what's your take on Bob Costas' bias calling of the Yankees game? I didn't really detect the bias, so you're asking the wrong person. I thought he talked way too much. I think he needs to let the game breathe. I thought he was better in game five, but I actually started to get annoyed with Bob Costas for never shutting up and just talking about everything all the time. All right? And as far as the Yankees, they are the greatest franchise in the history of baseball, so let's not forget about that either. Aaron wants to know, did I watch Zion's first game against the Nets? I did not, but I talked to somebody last night that was at the game who was working the game and said the first thing he noticed was his body looks a lot better. You know, if Zion can play 70 games this year, Boy, oh boy, the Pelicans have a chance to be a really, really good team. All right, let's move on. Mike wants to know, what are the odds Tom Brady quits midseason because of his off-field issues? I would say zero. I would say zero. Rob wants to know, do I believe Keegan Murray could win Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I think he could win Rookie of the Year. Sure, absolutely. I think he'll be one of the top five rookies in the league for sure. But there are some other really good rookies in the NBA this year. But yeah, absolutely could. All right, go to crowdultra.com. Maybe I'll answer your question on next week's podcast. It's time for rant. And today's rant is brought to you by Zoom 180. Zoom 180 is going to knock you off your seat when you see this flashlight. It is in production as we speak. It is unlike anything you have ever seen before and when it hits the market you're going to go napes i need to have one of those so i'm just giving it a little tease it's zoom 180 and it will blow you away you don't have to point it you turn it on and boom you have illumination 180 degrees it is amazing zoom 180 it is in production as we speak and when you see it you'll say i need it yeah i'm so tired of aaron boone the Yankee manager, the Yankees go back to New York for game three, down to love, and they struck out 30 times in two games. Now, I've been talking about this for years. For years, I've been talking about the Yankees and how poor of a job Brian Cashman has done in putting together a team. All right? Yeah, it might be fun to see the ball go out of the ballpark. Yeah, it's fun to watch Aaron Judge try to break Roger Maris's record, but it's not fun seeing a team that can't put the ball in play. The Yankees, in two games against the Astros, 30 strikeouts. You know what that is? That's embarrassing. But that's been the story all year. And actually, it's typical now of most teams in Major League Baseball. The Astros, on the other hand, they put the ball in play. 
That's why they ended up with the best record in the American League and are going to go to the World Series because they put the ball in play and the Yankees don't. How Brian Cashman maintains his job as general manager of the Yankees is beyond me. And Aaron Boone is so damn analytical, he can't manage a game by feel, doesn't know what managing a game by feel is. And then last night, he's blaming Aaron Judge's ball, not leaving the ballpark because the roof was open. Seriously? Aaron, Aaron Boone, stop it already. Your team has struck out 30 times. It doesn't matter what kind of roof. It doesn't matter if the roof is not even there. It doesn't matter if you have a retractable roof. It doesn't matter if you have 5,000 roofs on top of the ballpark. All right? It doesn't matter if you turn the temperature up in there to 130 degrees. Okay? Your team struck out 30 freaking times in two games. You think it matters what the hell kind of roof is at the ballpark, whether it's open or closed? How about having a, a player put the ball into play? Maybe put a little pressure on the other team's defense. All right? Seriously. The roof? You're talking about the roof? Your team is down two zip. You'll be lucky to win a game in this series, and you're talking about the roof. Shame on you, all right? The Yankees are a poorly constructed team. Hit the home run or strike out. Home run or strike out. Home run or strike out. I don't know about you, but to me, that is boring as all hell. So go ahead, take your roof, and shove it, all right? Stop striking out all the time. That would be my message to the Bronx Bombers. Yeah, guess what? You might get swept. I'll be surprised if you win more than a game in this series. I'll be very surprised. And that's my rant for today. That's my podcast for today. Again, Tony Brown. Rest in peace, my friend. You will be missed. Have a great weekend, everybody.